0: grace, and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called Family Matters with the focus today on parenting. If you're new to parenting, raising kids is scary stuff. What if I mess up? What if they mess me up? Even if your kids are grown, you could still mess up. Pastor Sean will talk about that, plus what the Word says on discipline. The Bible is rich on advice to flourish as parents. Reallife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. It's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part one of the message called Parents Matter. Pastor Sean starts off in Genesis with a few famous parents. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: We'll continue our series called Family Matters. We've been walking through issues of family and seeing the critical nature of family. And the reason we did this series is because I see families that are struggling, families that are in trouble, families that are feeling pressure from all around them to go one way and they're not seeing good fruit from it. What they're experiencing is indecision and fear and doubt and negative fruit. And the Word of God talks a lot about family. So that's what we've been doing. We've been unpacking. And the series is called Family Matters. Well, today we want to talk about parenting. In fact, what we've called this morning's message is Parents Matter. Now, maybe you're here and you're not a parent. You had parents. You know parents. And I think you have a strong opinion about how those parents are doing as parents. We most of us do. We We parents sometimes feel judged. In fact, Lori and I are the older siblings in our families and so we were the first on both sides to have kids and we remember first Lauren and then Ryan our two kids are both the oldest two on on both sides and we'd go to dinner and our little darlings and Lauren Ryan were just little darlings adorable and darling but they would be kids at a restaurant they would be loud they would cry they would spill food all over around their high chairs, like a whole zone that you had to kind of clean up afterwards. And our younger brother and sisters, several of them, multiple times, when I have kids, they're going to know how to behave in a restaurant. I remember one time telling my younger sister, I'm like, you know what, please save it for your book. I just want to get it all in one setting. I want to read your book on parenting. She wasn't even married yet, but I want to read your book on parenting. Please, let, let me get the full effect. And then, Lori and I had the joy When their little hellions, I mean my nieces and nephews, our nieces and nephews came around when they started doing all the stuff in the restaurant, and Lori and I just sitting there with our now, you know, four and three-year-old, and you know, just our our kids who are a little bit older, able to kind of handle things, and we're just kind of, hmm. And we never once brought it up to them that they had said that. (laughs) But we feel that way, and the fact is, raising kids is a scary proposition, When you come home with that child and you realize, this is my child, I'm their parent. This kid lives here now. We're in for the long haul. It's one of those wake up calls every parent has felt just like, wow. What if I mess them up? Or maybe worse yet, what if they mess me up? That's what happened in our family. (laughs) The Bible talks a lot about parenting. And what I want to say to you, one of the good things, I think, is that it doesn't just give us the good examples. It also gives us some not-so-good examples. See, it's very honest. There are no perfect people. Some of those not-so-perfect examples. This is Isaac and Rebekah. Genesis 25, 28 says, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. We see this favoritism starting to develop. And Jacob picked this up in his family, and he learned his lesson well. Look what happened when he became a parent. Remember, he, the Lord changed his name to Israel. He's the father, really, under Abraham and Isaac of the nation Israel. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, his second to youngest son, because he'd been born to him in his old age, and he made for him a richly ornamented robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Favoritism became part of the family culture. Well, we know King David also as a man after God's own heart. A man of incredible faith, a man of incredible passion for the Lord. But as far as his parenting, the one thing we know is that in certain places he didn't do it real well. Look, what This is his second son. This is, you, you, remember, you remember Absalom. We know Absalom and what happened with him. But his son Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. The second son who tried to say, okay, I'll anoint myself as king put himself forward, and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. And look at this little parenthetical insertion in the scripture. His father never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. His father never interfered with him. Why do you behave as you do? What a, a, a condemnation of David's parenting. They're pointing out this guy was out of control and it cost him but they also point out his father never... It's like people could see this. People saw this thing happen and saw this thing coming. But his father was too engaged in other things to ever stop and go, Son, what are you doing? That's not how we behave. See, what's interesting is, first instance was favoritism. David's issue was indulgence and a lack of discipline. And I want to suggest the reason why was similar. A common reason, and it's one of the most common problems we see in parenting. And I want you just to jot this down in the margins if you're taking notes. We have notes in the app. There's notes in the bulletin. I encourage you to fill out those sheets and and take some notes. The common reason is this. Both of these reflect selfish parenting. Selfish parenting. Favoritism, for example, is which child is more pleasing to me? Who's it about? It's about me That's the parent. Indulgence. It's much easier sometimes in discipline. It always ends up being more difficult in the end, but in the short term, sometimes it's easier just let them do what they want. Shut them up. Just look the other way. And again, it's easier for me and the problem we get into sometimes is we come into parenting unprepared and it's all about us. Something that we see in parents. We find ourselves meeting our needs through our children. Meeting needs through our children. It's like a pastor who says, you know, raise his kids where they have to be worship leaders in the church. <laughs> Took a second there, rolled through the. <laughs> but meeting my needs through, through the kids, don't embarrass me. It's about, it's about how I look. I don't want to look bad. All of that is about me. And the bottom line is parenting, I believe, is one of the most important assignments God will ever give every person. Interesting. We call Abraham the father of our faith. And look what's said of Abraham early in his call. Genesis 18, 18 and 19. says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Now this is kind of just a restatement of what we call the Abrahamic covenant. This is God's covenant. I will bless him, make him a great nation, and the whole world will be blessed through him. But look what it says. For I have chosen him. Why? So that he'll direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Abraham, the father of our faith, was chosen because he would become a good father. Because he would raise a family that would follow his ways and experience the blessing of the Lord. Everything we have of the blessing of Abraham came through his children. And he was chosen because he would be a good father. And he would pass on the faith to his children. For all God did with Abraham, his main job was to raise a family particularly to raise a son. See, I want to suggest the same is true for our families. Same is true for our families. We sometimes look at all the wonderful, important things we want to do out in the world. We see leaders held up and lead. Man, I believe in leadership. I think leadership is important. It's been said, everything rises and falls on leadership. But I want to amend that a little bit. If you're taking notes, write this down. Leaders shape the world, but parents shape the future. Leaders shape the world, but parents shape the future. We've got to understand that every single parent has an opportunity to change the world by raising a child who's adjusted, who loves the Lord, who's confident in who they are and in who they're called to be. That's our greatest gift to culture. See, our first job is not to make money. And so many of us think, well, wow, I got to provide them a good, a good home and a good, and all the things they need. That is not our first job. It's important to take care of our family, and provide for our family. That's a lot different than saying my job is to make money. If your first job is not to make money, it's not to make meals or it's not to make memories. Our first job is to raise people as parents, as families. It's what, it's who children are. And the idea is we're not just raising children. We're raising adults. We're raising people. Beautiful passage of scripture in the book of Ephesians. Turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul. I want you to see this in your copy of scripture. The Apostle Paul makes some comments about children, about families, and he makes a statement about parenting that's going to be the outline for the rest of our message this morning. Look what he says, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey. Children, honor. Show respect. That is the call of God. That is his design and his intention for children. And let me just say to you folks, you're not going to get any help from the culture on raising your children to do this. You are not, they're not going to be encouraged by media, by entertainment. Even in the context of school, they are not going to be encouraged in the importance of this idea. And this is such a critical idea that they understand and respond to their parents as representative of God's authority in their life, as representative of healthy, loving authority, that they respond with obedience, honor, and respect. And we don't get help with the culture. Honor your father and mother was the first commandment with a promise. Here's the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's the promise. But now look at verse... And I want you to see this. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. New American Standard says provoke them to wrath. Do not provoke them to wrath. Do not provoke them to anger. Fathers, do not exasperate or provoke to wrath your children. Instead, bring them up in the training, instruction of the Lord. Now, first thing we know is that's dedicated, that's pointed out to fathers. Now, mothers, that doesn't mean you're free, okay? Oh, good, dad can't, but I can, you know, I can throw down. No. Easy, mom. Back up, back up. I think we talk about fathers because often fathers push their children. Often fathers, at least historically, were more of the disciplinarian and the driver and the push out of the nest. And the writer, the apostle, is saying, fathers, that's not, be be careful. Don't drive your children to wrath. Don't exasperate them. Instead, and I want to suggest this little phrase here is an outline that we all need to pay attention to. This phrase is going to guide the rest of our conversation. He says, instead of this, he says, I want you to do this. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And I think the Apostle Paul is giving us three powerful instructions regarding parenting, which is fundamentally the building of people. And that's why I think we all need to understand this, because we all know parents, we all try to encourage parents, even if you're not a parent here. You're part of a circle that probably includes parents. They desperately need people who will encourage them in godly parenting. You know, we, there, there was a lot made of Hillary Clinton's thing years ago, takes a village. Okay, and we didn't like the context of that, many of us in the context of government. But let me just tell you, there is a truth in that when you talk about relational community. When you talk about family, when you talk about church, this idea that it takes a community. We encourage each other, we support each other, we walk together in this. And parents desperately need a community that will encourage them in these ideas. So even if you're not a parent here, I want you to pay attention. Because you may be one day, or... You may know parents who just need someone to encourage them and remind them that they're not alone. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Let me pray first. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that we'd hear your heart through your word. And I pray for every parent in this room. I pray that we would hear your voice. The challenge, the hope, and the empowerment that comes from your spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Parents Matter. It's in the series Family Matters, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to bless others. Just find the gift tab at reallife.org. And another way to bless the ministry and yourself is to pick up the latest book from Pastor Sean Nazar.
1: Okay, three very powerful instructions regarding parenting, okay? Which is the building up of people. Number one, he says, bring your children up. Bring your children up. And that's, the, I, I want just, to just kind of that little phrase, it reminds us what we're actually doing. We're not just parenting children, we're raising adults, we're bringing them up. And what I want to point to is this idea of begin with the end in mind. You know, Stephen Covey talked about that in his book, Seven Habits. Talked about beginning with the end in mind. Such powerful wisdom of just, what's your vision? What's your vision for your children? A friend of mine who's a landscaper was working with us a few years back out here, and we were talking about just what we're going to do and what we had to work with and all those things. And he said, you know when the best time to plant a tree is? And I said, no, I'm thinking he's going to go spring, fall, whatever. He's like, yeah, 20 years ago. I'm going to punch him. (laughs) I'm like, thank you, thank you. Dang if my time machine isn't broken, though. But his point was, you don't plant trees so you enjoy them this year. No, this year you're going to water them, you're going to take care of them. Next year, and next year, and next year. But 20 years from now, you're going to have something really beautiful. And that's how you have to think about it when you think about trees. And when he said that, I'm like, wow. That's great parenting advice. You know in the right time to really invest and start parenting your children? Yeah, 20 years ago when when they were little. Start building into them. And for those of us who are like past those stages, I can't tell you how many people are going to come up to me after this service and go, where was this message 20 years ago? And I'll go, I was here, where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I will not do that. And we'll, at the end, we're going to talk about how it's never too late to begin to, make, to, begin to be different in your relationship with even your adult children. But what I'm saying is, we need to understand this is something for the long haul. And what that little landscaping phrase is, it's vision. It's vision. Envision your property with full, mature, beautiful trees. Envision your children as people of God. See, what were they created for? Do you have a vision, parents, for your children? clear vision. What are they supposed to be? What did God make them to be? Now, there, and, and there's two answers to that question. There's what God made all of us to be. We can say, we want them to be a godly person. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be pr- productive. We want them to be someone who's confident in who they are, not arrogant, but someone who's confident and can't be swayed by whatever comes down the pipe. We, we want them to be people who love others, who have good, healthy relationships. We can say, that's true for everybody. We want that for every child. But then specifically, parents, what does God want for this child? Because if you have three kids, God's design and his plan and his intention for all three of them are slightly different. There's some things that are exactly the same, but there's other things that he's gifted them differently. He has a vision for them. He has a calling on their lives. And we as parents are responsible to say, what are they supposed to be? And look at that vision down the road and be building and cultivating and planting today. That's what we mean when we say bring them up See, we use the phrase intentionality intentionality and it's so easy because man kids just show up and parents here's the truth they don't I can tell you what causes that Okay, they don't just show up but sometimes it feels like that it's like all of a sudden she comes to you your wife comes to you and goes guess what I'm pregnant and you're like oh good, yes for, for when, when, man, when Laurie told me about Lauren, it was, it was at a time when she was our primary breadwinner. I'd started real life ministries and I'm just doing all this work. I'm not getting paid. She was, she was working at, at Nordstrom's in California doing really well. And that was our primary source of income. And while I was incredibly excited, it was a good time in our marriage, good time in our life, it wasn't necessarily a good time for us in our financial world. And there was that part of, wow, what is that going to mean? It's the most incredible, life-changing thing that ever happened to me. But it was a little bit like, I don't, know, I don't know that I felt ready. I don't know if anybody feels ready for that first child. But the fact is, because of that kind of, wow, it's just here, and here the kid comes, and now they give him to us, and we're home, and we got a car seat and a stroller, but really we don't know anything else. Food would probably be good. We should make arrangements or something. I'm sure there's a service that'll take care of that. I don't know. But see, I think we need to stop and go, okay, I'm raising a person. What's the vision for them? See, we're shaping them spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, or relationally. And I've told you before, this is a 20-year process of gradually handing those reins over to this adult now. When they're little, we're making all the decisions for them. We're very hands-on. Everything is with a lot of control, a lot of doing for. And then each year, there should be a little bit more that they're handling. And they're handling. And then ultimately, more and more, those reins. And and as an eight-year-old, there's certain things you're just going to say, figure it out. Figure it out. But I don't know how to. Well, you better get studying. Because you want them in the safety of your home to figure some things out. And then when they're they're 12 and 13, a few more things. When they're 16 and 17, there should be some big decisions that you are now just sitting in the place of mentor and coach. But they're the ones who are making those decisions because they're still in the safety of your home and your protection. Because here in a few years, if you wait, if you're controlling everything and making all the decisions and doing for them, and all of a sudden you send them off to college and go, I'm sure it's going to be fine that's just dumb let's edit that from the tape can we do that (laughs) but that doesn't even make sense we want them to have we want them to understand and have made some good decisions and and even then when they go to college they're going to do some things what were you thinking because you know what we did some things that made our parents go what were you thinking that's how you learn And we're going to let them suffer the consequences of those. And then hopefully by the time they're 20, 22, 23, those reins are fully handed over. And now we're the cheerleader. We're the encourager. But they're in the driver's seat. We're not. We're available if they want to talk. But it's their life. And they understand our values. They understand the whys. They understand our culture, our family culture. And now they take it over. And they live it. That's the process. See, this is your most important job, parents. If you get nothing else today, it's this: Your greatest contribution in the world will not be what you do with your work, not be the buildings you build, the business you build, the things you do. Those things are great and they're important. But a lot of those things, 100 years from now, nobody's going to care, but the children you raise, the children you raise. A hundred years from now, there'll be grandchildren, great-grandchildren who have been impacted by what you did, and that will carry on. My greatest contribution to this world, the, our greatest potential contribution is well-adjusted, God-fearing, mature adults who know how to navigate the world. See, leadership shapes, shapes the world, but parents shape the future. Second thing he said, he said, instruct them, or, or, or he said, he said, bring them up, and then he said, train your children in the Lord. Train your children in the Lord. New American Standard says, discipline your children. That's what we're talking about. Discipline and training. And I want you to note, he brings up training and discipline before he brings up instruction. Instruction is really important, but it's not as important as training and discipline, and it's not necessarily the same thing. There is a difference, and we'll talk about that. When we start talking about discipline, we're teaching, Lori and I are teaching a parenting class real life parenting right now. And we've got a great group of parents who are participating in that. Uh, let me just tell you, we just started a conversation. We're taking a couple of weeks talking about discipline and those parents are all ears because everybody wants to know about the discipline thing because as parents, that's one of those things we go, how do you get this right? Every one of us wrestles with the idea of discipline. And I shared with them something that for me, I've observed, I've watched families over the years. I experienced this personally as a youth pastor before I was ever a dad. And then I experienced it as a dad. And it is, you know, it is a powerful spiritual dynamic that I don't think you can beat that has almost a magical effect when it comes to discipline. And it is this. In in our training, begin with love. Begin with love. And when I say love, I am talking about obvious, sloppy love. You know, we know that love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. But I'm talking about the kind of love that is super obvious, delight. It is love expressed. You laugh at their jokes because you think they're hilarious. And you're like, but I am sorry, my child is not very funny. I'm, I'm worried about that. I don't know what I would have done if either Lauren or Ryan had not been funny. I, I, Lori, you've got to take these. They're more in your arena. No, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Lori's very funny.
0: <laughs> That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Family Matters, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210 210- 490 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.